Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Let me go right into um, introducing Zibby Owens. And I feel so privileged that we get to speak with Zibby um, because I, have, I follow her on Insta. And if any of you are on Instagram, follow her, uh, Zibby Owens, on Insta. And maybe Zibby will tell us if there are any other places to follow you in a minute. But Zibby is like everywhere. And I, I just saw her. She was in LA last, last week. She was uh, like doing a big presentation this morning just like nonstop. So she, I'll just say quickly, you have her bio, but essentially Zibby has come on the scene with a vengeance and like completely disrupted the publicity, the publishing, not publicity, completely disrupted the publishing industry, brand new model on that. She's an acclaimed author. She has an amazing podcast, She's a, which is an award-winning podcast. Um, it's moms don't have time to read books. And then that sort of blossomed into the moms don't have time for, I call it an empire, Zippy can can uh, talk to us about how she views it. Um, and then she has a memoir coming out called Bookends. She has a brand new children's book called Princess Charming that just got released. Um, and Zippy made this post and it had a, the bright blue square that had 11 years and she said, this is how long I stayed home with my kids and wrote this really compelling post. And we're gonna talk about it in a little bit, but when we saw this, it was like, we have to talk to Zibby. And if there was any way that we would be able to talk to her today, it would be amazing. So we're so excited about that. So Zibby, uh, welcome. And uh, we're so excited that you're here with us and Maybe you could just start us out by giving us a little bit of background, starting maybe with how you said it took you 20 years, it was going to take you 20 years, or it did take you 20 years to publish your novel, and sort of what that means um, in terms of your general career trajectory. Sure. <clears throat> well, Carol, thank you so much for inviting me to this conference. I was so touched to be invited and to be here today. And you know, I have a bit of imposter syndrome, I have to say, because so recently I was not in the shoes that I'm wearing today. Actually, I'm wearing very uncomfortable shoes today. But anyway, um, I my career has taken a lot of twists and turns over the years. The, the uniting thread, I would say, is that I've always wanted to be a writer, like since I was a little girl. In fact, I wrote this tiny little book when I was eight years old that my grandparents published as a miniature book. And when I saw my name on the spine, Oh, wait, it's right here. Uh, this is it. My first little book. <laughs> um, so when I saw my name on the spine here, I was like, oh, I want to be an author. That's so great. Um, and then I had my first uh, my first article, my first, first personal essay published in Seventeen Magazine, which I wrote when I was 14. Wow. And one thing I've been doing, which comes back to the post, uh, what I've been doing literally my entire life is writing very, very openly about how I feel, not in any sort of exploitative way or gross or whatever, but just writing and observing how I feel and communicating it in a way that allows me to connect to other people who are feeling and thinking the same things. I am delighted that this is now like a trend <laughs> and that people are appreciating <laughs> it, but it is something I've had a lot of practice in over the years um, and is part of what enabled me to write this memoir which is Carol reference has taken me uh, quite a while. When I was in business school, and again, twists and turns, I've had a career in marketing and 
um, doing entrepreneurial things and helping launch companies. And I've been really interested in the intersection of brands and brand relationships, branding and personality and psychology and all of that. Um, so I did a bunch of work in that sphere, which I could go into, but it's whatever. Um, but all along the way I was writing and then I went to business school and I lost my best friend um, who had been my college roommate and best, best friend in the world on 9-11. And it changed my mm -hmm. entire life. And then as I was bouncing back, not really, as I was dealing with the grief of that, I lost four more people who were very close to me in the course of a year when I was 25. So by the time I turned 26, I was a mess. And by the time I graduated at almost 27, I decided to take a year off and write a book. Now I'm 45. So this is not exactly that same book because so much has happened in my life since then. But I did yeah. write a memoir then. And parts of that are not the actual thing, but the same story is is included in bookends. And that book at the time I ended up trying to sell as fiction, which did not sell because at the time the feedback I got, I mean, it was probably just a terrible book, but that it was too close to 9-11 to be reading about fiction, fictional depictions of 9-11. Nice. This is in 2004 or 2003. So I put mm. it aside. I did end up ghostwriting another book. And then I had kids. I had twins, um, very complicated pregnancy with a lot of bed rest, which came in handy when I was ghostwriting the book, which was due on my due date. It was called mm. Your Perfect Fit. And I ghostwrote it for um, a fashion designer and a personal trainer. And wow. then I took a lot of time off. And this comes to the 11 years piece of my history. So I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to want, I, I'm, first of all, let me just say I was in a really privileged position to even have the choice not to go back to work. Mm -hmm. And not everybody has that choice. And I'm very fortunate that I was able to stay home and be with the kids uh, when I decided that is what I wanted to do. So I feel very grateful for the ability to do that. Um, but I just, my anxiety, I think, at leaving the kids was so overpowering that I stayed home mm -hmm. nonstop. I could, I didn't want to leave them. I had like panic attacks, even that the thought of going across the Brooklyn Bridge and being that far away from them, which I write about in my book, I just couldn't leave. And I just decided like, okay, well, if this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to go all in on the kids stuff. I'm not going to miss a thing. And mm -hmm. you could have found me in the streets, like running between my son's soccer and my daughter's acting. And I'm like, well, I could do 20 minutes of this and 20 minutes of this and this and this. And I just was, I just drove myself absolutely crazy. So that was like phase one. Dude, I can stop at any time. I'm relating so closely because um, I also took an 11 year career break and it was for childcare reasons. So I'm, I'm all in with you on this, <laughs> but yeah, keep going. <laughs> so basically I stayed home. I was always writing, but I didn't publish as much. I, cause I had also started writing for magazines while I was writing the book and while I was at home, occasionally I wrote a handful of pieces and published them. I wrote a lot, but for myself, I even wrote some pieces with a pseudonym. I wrote a whole self-published book and only gave it to two of my girlfriends. Uh, so I was still writing a lot, but not publicly. And I did have the opportunity to fall into my lap to help with this daily deal site for moms, uh, kind of like Groupon for moms called Gaggle of Chicks at some point. Mm -hmm. And I wrote an anonymous Gaggle Mama blog for them. But aside from that, I was basically at home. I was on a bunch of boards. I was staying involved, but, and always overwhelmed. I was just not overwhelmed in a bad way. I like being busy. I really like being really busy. Um, that is my happy place for who knows what reason. 
but it was just not fulfilling me at all. It was not what I wanted mm -hmm. to be doing. Um, I can do a lot of different things like so many of us, right? I can join a board and throw a great party and manage events or raise money for this or I can do all that. Um, and I felt good helping out the organizations that I felt really passionately about. And I still sit on several boards that I feel very strongly about. But it was just wasn't enough. Like I wasn't bringing my whole self to the table, which is what I told myself I would do after Stacy died. I said, if I'm going to be killed at my desk the way I believe she had been because she worked in one of the towers um, where the first plane hit, mm. then I better be doing 100% me at my desk. Like I had to bring everything I mm. had to what I was doing. And uh, and then, of course, it was paired with like not wanting to be physically apart from my kids, who, by the way, are on the other side of this door. So maybe I haven't really conquered that, uh, but that's okay. Um, and then uh, after I was home, after my twins were about eight and a half or something like that, anyway, eight and a half, nine, I got divorced. And I had had two other kids as well after that. And um, when I got divorced, I suddenly had a chance to look around and take stock of my life up to that point. I was in, I was almost 40 years old and I was like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with this time on the weekends? It was so quiet and it was so sad. And I don't know if other people out there have experienced there this plenty, very unique, unique type of pain where you don't have custody of the things that mean the most to you. It's, it's very out, out of body experience almost. Um, and I found it very difficult emotionally so I started getting back into my real passions in life, reading and writing. And again, I had read all the way through. I always read. I'm a huge reader. I've always been a huge reader. I ended up falling in love again. And uh, when I had my my mother and two of my girlfriends threw me a shower and it was a book shower. So everybody brought me a book, which was like the best idea ever if you're throwing anybody a shower. And if they love books, mm -hmm. obviously. So Fast forward, I had all this time. I start writing again. I start publishing again. One of the articles I wrote called A Mother's Right to Sanity went viral, a little mini viral, um, and really encouraged me to keep doing it. Most of my articles focused on trying to give moms a break and trying to advocate for moms, not in a political way, but more of an emotional way. Like, this is insane. How could we possibly be doing this many emails and still be expected to be all in and not miss a moment on the floor? It's like the biggest you know, puzzle, right? It's like impossible. Um, all these messages. Right. And I, you know, and I also wanted to like take the pressure off. And I wrote articles like, Hey moms, like let's lose weight later. You know what I mean? Like you don't also have to now look like, so, uh, so as I was getting more and more articles together, uh, one night, so I fell in love again. I got engaged. I got married. And one night, this is, I think, before we were married. But anyway, my husband, my husband now, Kyle said, you know, you should really take all those articles and make them into a book for moms. And I said, Ugh, moms don't have time to read books. And then I thought, oh, that's so funny. That'll be the title of my book. <laughs> um, so I actually had the good that's fortune of um, getting, having an agent get in touch around that time. And I pitched her this book and she said, no, publishers will not find that funny at all. But do you have any other books in you? And I said, well, kind of want to write a book called 40 Love about falling in love again at 40. And she said, well, mm. try it. At the same time, another friend of mine who was an author said, I don't think that's the right book project that you should do next. Um, I really think you should start a podcast. And I was like, well, what is a podcast? And I wasn't on social media and I was totally out of the loop. And I went home and I sat on this couch that you see right behind me with my husband. And I was like, I can't find any podcast buttons. Like, I don't even know how to listen to a podcast. And I ended up doing a bunch of research and 
saying, okay, well, I'll start the podcast. I'll use the name of that book, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I guess I'll, at first mm -hmm. I was going to read a bunch of essays for people who didn't have time to read. And then I realized I couldn't legally do that. So I thought, okay, I'll go right to the source. I'll just interview the authors of the articles or authors of the books. Right. And then I also thought I could read my own articles and get more exposure for them as well. And that is how I started the podcast. That was in April of 2018. And mm. I have had the most crazy journey since then. It started off relatively slowly <laughs> where I wasn't hardly getting any listeners, despite the fact that I started with great guests like Andre Agassi and all these awesome people who I just wow. begged friends to connect me with and all of that. And uh, it has now grown to be this, like, I'm really earning like a lot of revenue each month from advertising, which is crazy. And um, it, it's got like 4 million downloads this year alone. And it's, uh, it's doing really well. And I've met, I've interviewed over probably 1200, I think it was 1150 authors so far. I've made so many friends, so many connections. I've learned so much. I've read so much. And along the way, I've started all these other things. But Moms Don't Time to Read Books, in my mind, is the hub of everything else that I do. Um, and I still love mm. it and I'm passionate about it. I have an episode seven days a week, 365 days a year. And even when I try to slow down, I can't. So that is what happened. And it's, you know, I ended up launching all these brand extensions, including an entire publishing company, which takes a lot more work than I thought. And all these other, uh, all these other, other avenues. Um, and now I get asked to speak at conferences like this. It's just so nuts to me uh, when it all has very much happened so quickly. And the, the end of the story, which is like the happy ending for me in particular, is that I finally wrote a new version and sold this book, Bookends, which includes like all these really important parts of my life. And I go through all the books that have meant a lot to me along the way as well. So this is coming out mm. July 1st. So for me, it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, this is like, like my, this was my original goal. And yet I've accomplished so much more than my original goal. Like this is still exciting, mm -hmm. but like the other, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just amazing because now I've been able to really affect the publishing industry that I'm in and, and evaluate and have this unique viewpoint it's just great. It's just amazing. I am so grateful every single day. And um, that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> but it's not what I thought was gonna happen. It's an incredible, incredible story. And I mean, the origins of it where that originated in, in grief, really, and um, then how things have evolved since then and where you are in terms of, are you living your fullest, best life? That's really you right now. It feels like you are. And um and and there's just so much there that that that's wrapped up in that um i i do follow you on social media one of the things i want to ask you about is how did you figure out social media and get so good and and do you have like a crew that follows you around all day and takes your picture and post stuff and like how does that work huh. um so maybe i'll just ask you that right now come back Okay. Sure. Um, no, I do not have a crew. I have um, an adorable husband, though, who is very good with his iPhone. So he takes a lot of my pictures um, at different events, things like that. When I got started, I didn't know what I was doing with social media and I didn't have any advisors. I read, I always like research. So I read a lot, what best practices, blah, blah, blah. I try to learn as much as I can. In 2019, I was nominated for a Webby Award. Um, maybe 2018. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I 
I really wanted to win the people's voice part of it because I thought that would be so career changing for me if I could just win this Webby Award because that is like the industry standard for digital things like anyway it would just be a really big deal and I like had a shot I thought even though I probably didn't so at that point I hired um, a social media consulting firm to say how can you how can I get out to all these people in the next 10 days <laughs> to like launch this campaign? Uh, and as I did that, they basically gave me some really good tips and trained me on how to use social media, some of which mm. I've ignored and some of which I've adopted. And the, yeah, they gave me sort of best practices. Um, I know I should do things like more hashtags. I know I should do all these other things, but I just basically do what I want. And I was also warned against posting more than once a day, but I post like three times a day. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I've kind of adapted it. Yeah, I think it's great. So, okay, so learned that gradually. I learned it gradually, but I did get really? a crash course from this one woman um, in LA, so. Wow. Really interesting. All right. Well, I'm learning from you every day. Um, and I think, you know, posting several times a day and hashtags or no hashtags, whatever you're when, you know, you certainly caught our eye. And, and I, I just watched the way that you um, you present, I guess, on social media. And it's really authentic and it's really compelling. And, uh, you know, especially just case in point, that 11 years post, you know, it, you use some language in there that really called out to us when you said, and I'm going to quote this, you said that pent up intellectual energy when you're on career break can be saved and used later. And I thought that is such a good way of capturing how we feel when we are on the career break and we're doing all these things, but we have a certain part of ourselves sort of on the back burner uh, and um, and it, it, it is pent up over time. So I'm just wondering, did that language just come spilling out or is that something like a theme that you've been thinking about for a while? Um, I mean, I think about all of this a lot because this is my life and I've been reflect, you know, very reflective of how, of just how crazy it is. Um, that morning though, I don't even mm -hmm. know, this happens with almost everything I write is that it brews and brews and, until I have to stop whatever else I'm doing and just write it right then. And this, uh, I got home from school, drop off, and I didn't even have much time before a podcast at nine. And I was like, I have to write this right now. And I stood like in front of the stove and my husband was trying to talk to me. I was like, I'm writing something. I don't know what it is, but it's really important and I have to finish it. <laughs> um, I'm happy to read it mm. if you want, if that, if, you know, it's not that long. Yeah, um, sure. Would you like me to do that? Or, um, yes, please. Um, and it's so funny too, because I, re I read it to, um, like some of my old girlfriends who I just went on a girl's trip with who have known me forever and they were crying. You know, it's just, I, it's just, it's been a long road. Um, but yeah. I'm, okay. So, so I wrote 11 years. This is how long I quote unquote stayed home with my kids for anyone else who like me thought they'd completely missed the boat on a career after years and years out of the workplace. I'm living proof that all that pent up intellectual energy can be saved and used later. If need be, it's not too late ever. I only started regularly writing again in 2017 after my divorce. I only started my podcast in 2018. It has taken me almost 20 years to sell my memoir, but now it's finally coming out in July after I'd cried over so many rejections that I thought it just wasn't going to happen for me. I had this almost inexplicable compulsion to get my story on the shelves. So yes, it can happen to you. 
I did it one podcast at a time, letting things unfold organically, as my husband taught me. So when I spin around in excitement about going to a book signing for my children's book, that is why. Because I've been through so much, which you can read about in bookends. Because even though I've believed myself to be a writer since age eight, the universe didn't acknowledge it until now. Because I thought my life was going one way fast, and it wasn't. Whiplash. Like Princess Charming, I never gave up, perhaps even when I probably should have. My constant posting about all of it isn't to brag. It's to say, holy crap, can you believe it? I was just at Little Maestro's rattling a tambourine and look. So if you follow me here, know this. I exult at every day I get to spend on earth with my four also unlikely kids, with my new career in books, which feels like play every day, and just to live and breathe in a world in which another day is not a foregone conclusion. I am so grateful. And so I shout it from the social rooftops. I am not bragging. I am marveling. It wasn't over. It was just beginning. Mm. Anyway, it's so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I mean, it calls out to so many of us. Uh, you know, we have at I relaunch, we have over 100,000 people in our community who have taken career breaks from one to over 20 years for all different reasons. It's not all um, not all uh, all caregiving or, or child care, but just what, what you're writing, uh, it calls out to us and I think uh, really made an impact on those of us who saw it. And now more people will see it because we're, I know that we're gonna amplify it even more. So thank you for writing that and thinking it and, and taking that moment to stand right there in the kitchen and just get it out on paper because it impacted a lot of people. Well, you know, another reason why I posted it then uh, was because I had just started my book tour for Princess Charming. And I thought, and there have been a whole, a lot new followers who might not have known. And I thought, gosh, are people finding me obnoxious that I'm like so excited about this children's book? Like, why am, why, maybe they're wondering why I'm so excited. Like, it's just a children's book. Or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they think I'm just like bragging about it. But I, so I wanted people mm -hmm. to know, like, gosh, I am like, so stunned that that all of this stuff has happened. I mean, I am working incredibly hard. It's not all luck. I work all like I work just really, really, really hard. And I love what I do, but I'm doing it a lot. And I've assembled a great team now who helps. And that's wonderful. But I am on I am constantly going. Um, and and so it's not like it just fell into my lap. Like I've, I've worked hard for it, but you can work really hard and not have things work out. Um, so there's a lot of luck in there too. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just wanted people to know, like, look, this is a hard one success. And uh, I am just so over the moon excited about it. And I've been, you know, it's, it's been a long road and I, I just didn't think, I just didn't think I'd get there. And uh, I went on this one vacation with my husband early on, very early on in our relationship. I think it was like the first one. And we went to a hotel on the beach that was bonfire. And it was just the two of us. I think mm. it was my first vacation without kids, like in forever. And there was another family at the s'mores station. I mean, all it was me, because like I wanted the s'mores, but that's okay. Uh, and there was a family there with her kids and the dad was kind of being a jerk. And the mom was so frazzled and tired looking and the kids were like screaming. And, you know, meanwhile, Kyle and I were all like canoodling and looking so happy, you know, and this woman looks at me, she goes, oh, what I wouldn't give for just one second of that. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I am you. I like, I, I just, this is a new relationship. Like, if I can get here, so can you. Like, it was just like, so part of why I do everything is to encourage people not to necessarily 
leave their marriages, but to find a path, which is really what was the most empowering thing to me is just finding this path to being able to do the work that was so fulfilling for me. Um, so that, that is also part of what inspired it. And just, you know, also what I wrote, my friends from business school, my friends from college, when I was home or on my break or whatever, they didn't stop, right? Everybody else was on this upward trajectory. And I just sat on the floor with the toys watching as they got promoted to this and this and this and this. And, you know, we're at age 45. I have friends who are like running whole things that they started out in their 20s. And, uh, and for a while, I just watched and was like, oh, my gosh, you know, even my brother who was younger than me was being so successful. And, and I was just, I just felt like so useless. Um, not to say I was being useless. This is my own mental stuff. Um, and not to make any judgment on other stay-at-home moms, but I just didn't think it was possible to come back. I thought I would always be 20 years behind or however many years behind. And and it's not like that at all. It doesn't work in a linear way. Careers happen in all sorts of different fits and starts. And um, I didn't know that before. I don't think I actually realized that it was even possible to come back after kids in such a big way doing something that I loved so much. So I, part of what I'm trying to do also is just encourage people. And actually after my post, somebody who may be, may be watching, cause she stopped me on the street and said, thank you for posting about, you know, I relaunch, I'm going to join the conference cause I'm trying to figure out what to do next. You know, I, I just want to be oh. an example for people because I am, I am them. I am, this is, you know, this is also recent. So anyway. Yes. Well, you are the example. And, you know, I have to talk to make a comment about uh, the idea of seeing like the alumni notes when you go to, for example, a competitive business school. And like, I remember feeling like I was sitting on the floor getting a load of laundry done when I was in the middle of my career break. And one of my business school section mates was just named like the head of the Fidelity Magellan Fund. And I'm like, whoa, I guess we represent the entire spectrum of what can happen when you graduate. You could be me or you could be him and then everyone in between. And I remember feeling like that. And, and it was, that was, that was part of the whole, you know, evolution and how you figure out, okay, I'm ready, really ready now to get back to work. And then how in the world am I going to do it? And what do I want to do? But I remember being like deep into that part of it uh, early on. So totally, I, I totally relate to that. Um, let me just ask you a couple of businessy kind of questions because I, you know, I, you're at the, at the heart of this is, is a, is a business and you have, um, disrupted the publishing industry you have a totally new model and how you discover um authors i don't know what the arrangement is with them can you talk a little bit about how did you think about did you think i'm disrupting the publishing industry because it's it's just broken or did did it happen in a, a different kind of a way so my goal was not to start a publishing company you know, as I said, I had a small, mm -hmm. smaller goal, which was just to write a book and then right. to start a podcast. But after spending so many hours with authors, both on the podcast, in the events that I had started to host, in the events that I was moderating at bookstores, and I was spending so much time with authors, and it's impossible not to learn what's going on and what they're dissatisfied with and what this what the problems are. And you know, I listen really closely to people, and I there were so many themes that were coming up over and over again. And then I had the experience of having my own anthology come out, which was a collection of essays written during the pandemic by authors from my podcast that I was launching one by one and then like sort of accidentally had an anthology on my hands with contracts. And I was like, oh, I'll just sell this. Um, so I got to see 
what it was like um, as an editor of an anthology, which is not the same as like, you know, but I got a taste of what that whole thing was like on the author side. Uh, so armed with all of that information, I was like, something has to change. Something has to change here. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to get discovered as an author. Like I would go into a bookstore and there would be one copy on a high shelf in a section that I wouldn't even have put my book in if it were me. And I'm like, how is, there's no way anyone's going to walk into a bookstore and discover my book. No way. Mm -hmm. uh, so that led me thinking about the marketing of books and how people do discover books. And if you're not a best-selling author and you are a debut, or if you have a publishing company that has distribution, but maybe not the most robust marketing platform. And by the way, all publishing houses have been in their consolidation, which has created, by the way, like even other problems. But the one of the universal gripes is the lack of support in publicity and marketing and how many people bring on their own publicists. And it's not the fault of the people working there. I, I want to make that very clear. I think they're wonderful people, many of whom I've become friends with who work at publishing houses. And it's no one's fault. It's that the publishing houses are just so big that they can't pivot quickly. Um, you know, I compare it to like this giant truck trying to make a sharp turn. It's impossible structurally. So mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can be the best driver, but if the truck is too big, you're just not going to fit down that street. Um, and I, I really realized that during the pandemic when I was able like literally overnight to be like, I'm starting an Instagram live show. I'm highlighting four authors every day live for this whole pandemic. I'm starting a book club online. I'm starting this. And I just kept starting, starting, starting. Cause my whole mission was like, aside from dealing with my four kids and then actually some tragic losses in our own family, I mm. was like, I have to help the authors and I could. So from a business standpoint, I've, and I launched this with my uh, colleague Lee Newman, but I've sort of systematically gone through and and tried to see what is the best way to do this part of the business? What is the best way to do this part? What is the best way to do that part? Um, what does it mean to, what does even reading mean? Like just going back to basics, like does it count if it's a Instagram post? Like, is that reading? Like, mm -hmm. does it have to be a mm -hmm. book? Like I'm thinking about everything. So for mm -hmm. the publishing company itself, I knew what kind of books I wanted to publish. Um, but mostly I wanted to give authors the kind of publishing house that I wanted myself mm -hmm. <laughs> that I would have wanted knowing what I know from the inside out. And that's what I've done. So it's not one thing I'm doing. Like actually Gretchen Rubin in this, what you mentioned this morning when I, when I was moderating a conversation with her, she was asking me and I was like, it, it's not one thing. It's not like people are coming to this authors want to publish with us because we have a better marketing department, although I think we do, but it's, it's the combination of things that yeah. I was able to build a new company from the ground up with authors at the center of everything that we do. And I think that is immensely appealing mm -hmm. to authors, not to mention the community of authors that we're building. So that's how that happened. Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, you always admire uh, the thought process and the depth and and the the knowledge of your client, essentially, like the the client of a publishing company. Of course, they're publishing books for for the public to read, but the client is also the author. And um and just the way that you um thought about making this client centric, very nimble kind of organization is, is that's what you have. So, well, I think that's a that's a really uh, great place to leave it. And Zibi, we really appreciate you spending this time with us. Um, we're really excited about bookends coming out July 1st. Um, and we'll, and the Princess Charming book and the one that's coming up 
after it. So we're all keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Thank you for showing us that. And thank you so much for spending your time. And, and we want to, uh, we're going to keep watching you and keep in touch. And we're just cheering for every success that you're having. So congratulations. And thank you. Carol, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. I want to remind our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to our iRelaunch job board. Employers looking to hire relaunchers regularly peruse our job board for candidates for their career reentry jobs and programs. And be sure to visit iRelaunch.com to access our many return to work tools and resources and to sign up for our mailing list so you can receive our weekly return to work report featuring career reentry jobs and programs. Thanks for joining us.